It's something for nothing. The Rush Fan Cast. Steve and Jerry with you. Jerry, how's it going today? It's going all right, Steve. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We've got another great interview lined up today. I'm very excited about it. We're still sheltering in place. We're still at home. Hopefully that'll end soon. Hopefully I'll see your smiling face across from me very soon. Oh, I never smile, Steve. Maybe when we talk about signals, we can do it face to face. Yeah. That's the next album we're going to talk about down the road. Yeah. But until then, we've got a couple of interviews the next couple of weeks. You can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are TheRushCast. Email, the email address, as we've mentioned, TheRushCast at gmail.com. Jerry loves your emails. The base intro, as always, done by our good pal Lex. We appreciate it. Thanks, Lex. So I've got a Twitter poll for you, Jer. Okay, let's hear it. If you recall, about a month or so ago, we had Ed Stenger of the Rushes of Band blog on our show. Yeah, rings a bell. And we talked about our favorite Rush album openers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we each listed our top three, and I decided to create a Twitter poll out of four of the options we talked about. Okay. So here are the choices I gave. Ready? Yes. 2112, The Spirit of Radio, Tom Sawyer, and Subdivisions. Ooh. What do you think the Twitter fans think? It's good choices, by the way, Steve, picking those out. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you right off the bat, we got the most votes on this poll of any poll we've done. Okay. 1,275 votes, and it was close. Really? And I got a lot of people commenting while the the voting was going on. I can't believe the voting's going this way. What's going on? What's wrong with people? (laughs) Yeah. People were getting upset. People are passionate. Um, I am going to say the spirit of radio. You're right. Very good, Jer. The spirit of radio, 32%. Oh. 2112 came in second, 29%. Mm. Subdivisions came in third at 23%. Wow. And believe it or not, Tom Sawyer came in fourth. Wow. Yeah. Only 15%. Wow. That is surprising. It is surprising. I mean, Tom Sawyer, though, but that's, that's tough competition for any song. Yeah. Even Tom Sawyer. Yeah, definitely. And most of the comments we got, because I figured I would get comments, well, what about this song? What about that song? Most of the comments were Hemispheres. Oh, really? And that was one I was thinking about putting in the, in the poll, but I just didn't have room for it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess it is kind of hard, though, to be like, favorite album opener is a song that is the entire side. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's so many different sections to the song. Right. Well, I think that's why 2112 did so well. Yeah. Because it's it's a whole album side. Right. And I think if I had swapped Hemispheres in for Tom Sawyer, I think it would have been neck and neck for all. Yeah, maybe. All four of these. But anyhow, there you go. You can't really pick a wrong Rush opening track, I don't think. No. That was a hard exercise that we did. Yeah, it really was. And today we're going to do one that I think is even harder. Yeah. It really, it really is. Yeah. I think the opening track was easy compared to this. Oh, man. We'll get, we'll get to it later. Do you have an email yeah. for us, Jer? Yes, I do. Let's hear it. This is from Josh. Oh, Josh. Hi, Josh. He says, hi, Steve and Jerry. That's us. Longtime listener, first time caller. I mean, writer. Well, longtime listener since February. 
I recently caught up to the present day episodes, starting with permanent waves. As I listen to the current episodes, I am struck by how much more confident you two have become as podcasters compared to your humble beginnings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that true? Do you think? We sure have. I had to listen to our older podcasts for the inbox rebellion one. So I, yeah, I definitely think we're getting better. Um, yet I can hear and appreciate your humility and how you talk about Rush. In other words, I don't see you as trying to offer an authoritative opinion about Rush, just sharing your joy. Frankly, it's refreshing. That's all we try to do is share our joy. Yeah, and de definitely there's nothing authoritative about us. <laughs> <laughs> we don't pretend to know anything. Right. But then he goes on to say, my Rush story. I'm a bit younger than you at 44 years old, so my sweet spot is counterparts. Test for Echo and Vapor Trails. I was introduced to Rush in particular, the drummer Neil by fellow music majors, while a freshman percussion music major in college at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, back in 1994. Neil was held up as the Zeus of rock drumming to be, to be appreciated and at best emulated. Although the music thing didn't work out, I developed a deep and abiding appreciation for Rush and their music. My first concert was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Bradley Center during the Test for Echo Tour, the tour that, as you know, we saw them play 2112 in its entirety. Even as a neophyte, I could appreciate what I was witnessing. I saw them every tour after that, including their last time in Seattle during the R40 tour. Um, I've also included a link I have been intending to share with you, in particular Steve. When Steve shared his anti-fade-out views, Ooh. I knew this article would give some perspective as to why they were necessary and in some sense required for a long time. I don't share quite as strong an opinion as him. I figure it's an artistic choice at best, but I hope this is helpful in filling out the gaps. And he gave us a link, which I'll post. We'll post when this episode comes out. It's uh, to an NPR article, so we'll post that on there. Oh, I'll have to check that out. I'm very excited. Right. So it probably squashes my, my fade-out theory, I guess, huh? Uh, well, I mean, I tried to squash it already, so <laughs> I don't know how much squashier they can get. Thanks, Josh, for that. We really appreciate you listening and writing in. Yeah. You got one more for us? I do. This is from... By the way, I love when you read the emails, how you hold it one inch from your eyes. Because I, I can't read it with my glasses <laughs> on. I have progressive lenses, and it's just so hard sometimes to, to find perfect you know, spot. But anyway, so this is from Henry from Against the Norm Records. I guess he oh, nice. Record. I should have looked it up. <laughs> anyway, well, it's taken from a Rush lyric, right? Yes, exactly. So this is this is from Henry, and his email is against the norm records, which is pretty cool. Like you said, it's a it's a Rush lyric. He says, "Thank you, guys." When Neil Peart passed, I was distraught like many, and didn't even want to open the door to my studio where most of my instruments are at. I really could not deal with making music at all anymore, and I teach it but I was listening to and still purposefully listened to Rush every day. I wanted more of an outlet on the tragedy, though, because only a few of my friends can relate and none live nearby. So I hunted through podcasts for people discussing it and listened to many eulogies, but none were as honest and heartfelt as yours and Steve's discussion on his passing. I felt much more at home with you two. Since then, I subscribed and have been listening diligently to all of your episodes to date. Anyway, as they say in Texas where I'm from, Y'all are the best, Henry. Oh, wow. Thanks, Henry. That's really nice of you to say. It was nice of him. You know, it's interesting. That episode, Jer, I don't even remember what we said. Neither do I. Because we did that 
the day after Neil died. And we did not prepare for it at all. No. We just turned the mics on and just said whatever was in our heads. Yeah, right off the off the dome. I'm glad people liked it. I I'd have to I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. I don't even remember what I said. Yeah, I mean I've gotten a lot of emails about how people really appreciated what we said. But like you said, I have no idea what we said. Well, I think it was from the heart, so maybe that's why people liked it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Jared, today we've got a, a special guest on the Rush Fan Cast, Something for Nothing. He's the creator of the website CygnusX1.net. And if you're a Rush fan, you've been to this website. It is phenomenal. And we welcome John Petuto to the Rush Fan Cast. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. So, John, why don't we start by you telling us your Rush origin story? When did you first hear Rush and how did you become a fan? Wow. Um, that goes back to the early 80s. I actually have a younger brother who, at the time, right around the time Exit Stage Left was released, he picked it up, started playing it all the time. He invited his friends over who were all Rush fans. They would listen to the album. And I was listening to it in the background, but back then, I was 16 at the time. You know, I, I had other musical interests, but so I listened to them, but I really wasn't that much of a fan. But as a couple of years went by and leading into Signals, I began to really take a little more of an interest in them. At that point, my brother and I tried to actually get tickets to go see Russia during a Signals tour, but we kind of struck out. But I still wouldn't consider myself, you know, a diehard Rush fan at that point. But when Grace Under Pressure was released, something about that album really resonated with me and it just hooked me in. Grace Under Pressure turned out to be the first tour that both my brother and I saw on them. And, you know, as the old saying goes, the rest is history. I've seen them on tour ever since, every album, every release, every tour. And it's just been a continued appreciation and growing fanship of their music ever since. So you started the uh, website, John, in 2004. That's correct. Why did you start the website up? What sparked the idea? Well, actually, well before the website came into play, um, about the year 2000 or so, there was a, another website called ePinions, where people could post opinions about all sorts of products. And I decided I was going to go onto this site and start posting reviews of all Rush albums. And I actually gathered quite a bit of a following on this website by just posting these reviews. But as ePinions started to wind down, I realized, you know, maybe I should try and just build my own little website as well. Um, and so I figured, all right, I'll create a very small website, really more for my purposes only, just to post my album reviews and maybe post a little bit about the band. And then I'll see where it goes from there. And one thing led to another, and I just started adding to the website and adding more things. And you know, I first started adding all their albums. Then I decided to get all their tour books and, and transcribe all of them and added um, images from the tour books. And things started to snowball a little bit. So, you know, it started as a small project that I really wanted to develop just for me and maybe some of my close friends started to expand a little bit, but still didn't really resonate with a lot of fans because I, I didn't really communicate about it all that much. But a couple of years went by, Rush was um, getting ready to launch into the Snakes and Arrow type of period, and I started basically posting about my website on a couple of Rush forums and mentioning it at actually during the Snakes and Arrow tour, I wrote up some flyers, made up some flyers, and at the concerts I went to, I handed out these flyers, and all of a sudden, 
people started coming to the website in, in, in droves. And I started getting a lot of emails from people asking me all sorts of information about Rush. So it started to gain a lot of traction. And when it started to gain a lot of traction, I wanted to add a lot more to it. And so one thing led to another. And what started as a small website today right now has over 2,300 separate pages alone on the Rush side of the, of the site. So it's really morphed into something that's kind of massive and I kind of shake my head sometimes wondering how I got here, but, uh, you know, after 16 years, I guess it's not too surprising that it's grown this large in volume, but I, I like sharing this type of information with the rush friends. I like trying to bring something that maybe they haven't seen before and, you know, making something out there for the fans that, uh, we all have something in common with rush. So I wanted to bring us all together via a website as well. Yeah. So how do you keep track of all of these pages? I mean, it, the, the site is, I, I, you know, I was going through it. I, I, you know, I go there, believe it or not, for lyrics and stuff like that when we're actually doing this podcast. And how do you, what's going on, John? How do you, how do you keep all of this stuff together? I don't know. I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> I, I'm very careful when I create a new page. Like I most recently posted a new article that came out uh, about Neil's passing. And, and anytime I create a new page for the site, I, I take care to make sure it, it meets my needs. It's, it's accurate. And once it's published, it lives on its own. I don't have to go back and do anything with it. So as long as I'm careful and I, I present all the information the right way, then really, you know, it's a one and done deal. I also just, you know, posted a couple pages on the release of the permanent waves 40th anniversary. So that took a lot of time to pull together all the images and get the liner notes together and some other comments and articles. So creating these pages takes a lot of time, but once they're created, that's pretty much it. So it's not like I have to maintain every page uh, every day. It's really just uh, adding content and making sure everything's working well. So the tour section I was looking at, John, is incredible. Where, where did you get all this information? Oh, that, that has been gleaned over years of research. Um, a lot of other websites had tour dates way back in the past. When I first started my, my site, I didn't want to put a tour section on because it was repetitive to other websites. But as those websites started to fade into uh, non-existence, I, I decided, let me add it on. Got a lot of information and a lot of help from Eric Hansen of Power Windows. Um, we would trade information all the time. Then, as I started my tour date section, fans all over the place would be emailing me stubs and saying, look, uh, you didn't see this date, or I noticed you had a discrepancy here. So it's been built over time, and you know, it, it's sourced from so many different people that uh, you know, I couldn't have done it without all of those people and all the fans' help. And it continues today. I, I continually get emails about the tour dates, about added information, different openers that maybe I didn't reflect or someone again sending me a stub or an image that they want me to throw onto the site. So that section of the site is probably takes the most time because it's, it's constantly evolving and changing, but um, I think it's a good resource to have and people seem to like it. It's probably the most popular page on my site as well. Well, yeah, I was just going to ask, Oh, I know how's, how's the traffic changed over the years? It has changed. Interestingly, I think we hit the peak right around Clockwork Angels. I mean, I was steadily growing in traffic. And, I, and my job, I deal with the business intelligence and analytics. So I'm always looking at my traffic patterns to see what people are looking at so I can kind of hone different things and, and kind of really direct what I should be building on the site. And that's another reason why I built the tour date section. But the traffic really peaked during Clockwork Angels. And then it subsided a little bit. And interestingly enough, and unfortunately, 
uh, once Neil passed away, the traffic to the site absolutely exploded. I had some of the, in the 16 years I've been running it, some of the busiest days were shortly after Neil's passing. So, um, you know, uh, obviously I wish that wasn't the case and didn't want that to happen, but it, w- it was also interesting to see so many people coming in, reading articles that Neil, um, you know, basically wrote, looking at the tour dates, I guess, reminiscing on the dates that they had uh, seen Russian. So it was very interesting and kind of, um, very sad in a lot of ways to see a lot of people coming in and just reminiscing about Rush. It's waned a little bit, but I'm still at very high levels, kind of clockwork angel levels uh, that really hasn't subsided since uh, since that January date. So, John, you mentioned that you work closely with Eric Hansen at Power Windows, and I noticed the Rush tour maps that you have from John at XYYZ Graphs. That's right. Jared, what's amazing to me is how the Rush fans are connected. All these guys know each other and help each other out. The rush community is just so great. Can you talk a little bit about that, John? Absolutely. I mean, Eric Hansen and I, we've known each other for years. And as I mentioned earlier, before we started the podcast, uh, Eric and Ed Stenger from Rush is a band. The three of us, we have always known each other. We always share information. Uh, we all have websites, but it's never been a competition between those sites. We've always freely shared information so that we can all throw it on our sites and let the broader Rush community, you know, know about these things. And and that's a great thing about it because that's what makes Rush such an interesting band. We come together as a family, all these fans, and, and that's the way we treat one another. So it's never, hey, you know, I'm not going to go deal with that website or I'm only going to, you know, look at this website and say, well, you know, let's share the wealth, let's share the information because it's all about Rush in the end. And that's what's made it so enjoyable to run this website, not only because of the outpouring of support from the fans, but just knowing that I, I had made some really good friendships along the way with uh, a number of people. And again, Ed and Eric being uh, at the top of that list. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, you were mentioning like a resurgence in the in the traffic um, after Neil's passing. I remember reading that Spotify, you know, the streaming of Rush songs went up like eight hundred percent or something like that. Absolutely, it was interesting to see how Rush came back into uh, the limelight. If you'll forgive the uh, you know the analogy, but after Neil's passing, it's like everything resurged on the Rush side, and. Again, unfortunate circumstances, of course, but it's nice to see how far-reaching Rush is and and the impact that Neil's passing had just across the globe. And that's I don't think that's you know an overstatement by any stretch. No, it's not. Can you get a, a sense of some of the younger fans that come to your site? Um, mostly through emails that I get from them. I, I do see a lot of people emailing me saying, hey, I just became a fan and I was wondering if you could tell me where I can find this or find that. So I get a lot of emails asking information. Interestingly enough, I I had a young lady email me yesterday saying, hey, I just got a farewell to Kings and I was listening to Cygnus X1 and I noticed in the liner notes, it says to be continued. Can you tell me what that's about? (laughs) Oh my God. And, And I loved it. I said, yeah, I know. I'll tell you what that's about. Go look at Hemisphere. That's part two. So, you know, it's kind it's conversations and questions like that that just is so great 
that, uh, you know, it's nice to see that Rush is resonating with, uh, you know, the younger crowd as well. And I'm also, obviously, the, the website is there, but I, I have a, a presence on Twitter and on Facebook, so I'm interfacing with a lot of people there as well. And and specifically on Facebook, I can kind of see some of the younger fans coming in and, and enjoying the band and enjoying the website and, and the posts that are happening there. The thing I love the most about your website, John, is the Rush timeline. I hadn't seen it until until yesterday when I was looking at your site researching this podcast. What an incredible database of Rush information you've collected there. I mean, you could just spend hours clicking through the videos and stories you have on this timeline. How did you put this together? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I had that idea a number of years ago. I, I really wanted to collect just that, a timeline. And at first I was thinking, I'm just going to make a page and, and kind of throw those informations just in a text file, so to speak. But as I started doing research, I found this, basically this um, web app that allowed you to graphically represent the timeline in this fashion. And I, I reached out to the developers and it's a free app, but I reached out to them saying, look, I have this idea, but it's going to be massive. And can your app handle it? And they're like, well, you know, you're talking about a lot of entries and our app is really only made for a couple dozen entries, but go ahead, give it a shot. We'll make sure it works for you. And I started building it. I, I started grabbing all the information I could. Um, I actually employed the assistance of my son, who was a, a budding Rush fan himself, and he would help try to research things and just started building it. I mean, like anything else, you just start at the beginning, you start adding, you know, the release dates of albums, some some key factors when Rush, you know, won awards, and it grew from there. And obviously some key events that occurred, I would add it into uh, the timeline. So that's also something that's constantly being um, added to when there are new events to, to add in, of course. But uh, I, I was proud of that one. Uh, I, I, I knew it was something that was going to be really challenging to develop, um, systematically speaking, but it's really happy the way it came out. And I'm glad you like that section of the site because I think sometimes a lot of people aren't even aware of it, but that, that's one of my, I think one of my highlights of the site and something I'm really proud about. Well, I hope you have a lot of help <laughs> other than just your son. <laughs> it was pretty much just the two of us. It takes time, but, you know, labor of love. That's definitely what the website is. Yeah, it's it's interesting too, you know, the uh the community that Steve and I have kind of stepped into unknowingly. <laughs> <laughs> when you think of the Rush community, do you think of yourself and the website as like being a starting point for people or just being a resource for Rush fans in general? How do you how do you view your site? I just consider it a Rush fan resource, nothing else. I, I obviously I'm not associated with the band, although I've had some dealings with them, positive dealings. But you know, I'm just another fan that's just trying to show his love for Rush, and I do so through this website. I don't proclaim to be a Rush expert. I don't proclaim to be you know the end all be all of all things Rush. I just wanted to produce something that meant something to me that I could be proud of. And if people find something that they can take away from it, then that makes it all the better. So it's one of those things that it's something that you wanted to see for yourself as a Rush fan, and you just decided to create it and look, and look what it's turned into. That's exactly it. I wanted to build something for me and um, kind of morphed into something a lot larger, but still at the end of the day, this is for me. This is something that I take pride in and it's just gravy that other fans, you know, 
appreciate it as well. If no one visited my website, I'd still probably be doing it because again, I do it for me first and for everybody else second. But, and that might sound a little weird, but you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> thrilled. I'm thrilled that it's, you know, resonated with so many fans, but you know, this is something that really means a lot to me. And that's why I kind of, I want to continue it as long as I can. So is there anything, any information that you wish you had a dream bit of information that you want to put on your website? Hmm. That's an excellent question. You know, outside of some of the missing tour dates from the very, very early years, which, you know, Ed and Eric and Skip, of course, have been, you know, struggling to find, not struggling, but it's been an ongoing search for all these dates. I don't know if there's any missing link of Rush information. You know, a lot of people think that there have to be songs that Rush recorded that just fell to the cutting room floor, but we all know that's not really the case because they only recorded songs that eventually made it to the albums with the exception of a couple early singles. But no, I, I can't really think of anything offhand. And now you're really going to get me thinking. I'm going to have to think about that a little more. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Getty's blood type? Maybe that would be one of the things. <laughs> No, and I don't care. I don't. I, one thing I like to avoid is any type of stalky like of uh, <laughs> information. With oh, oh, is that a little stalky? You think? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many emails I get people asking information like that. Though it's a oh, little I'm sad. Sure. It is what it is. So I wanted to ask you, and it's, it's kind of related to the to the website, but it being a, a place where Rush fans can gather, how do you see Rush's um, place? in music and, uh, you know, their effect on music in general. I think it's clear that they have been three members, three humble people that have really taken their music seriously. And it seems like fans have really taken notice of that. So they've inspired, who knows, legions of musicians. They inspired my son to become a drummer and he's now in a rock band. So, you know, I, I see it firsthand from that perspective. So it's always nice to see music not simply being out there for entertainment purposes but for also sending out a message and inspiring people to either take up music or really read into neil's lyrics and the messages he was trying to send and you know maybe make the world a little bit of a better place so i see rush's music not just being a flash in the pan and in 10 years no one will know about rush i think it's going to live on for a very long time and continue to resonate with people all over the place I couldn't help but notice, John, that there are two sections to your website. There's a Rush section and there's a Star Trek section. There are. What similarities are there, if any, between your Rush fandom and your Star Trek fandom? Interesting question. I've always been a fan of science fiction. I've always kind of, um, de I guess I've been a Rush fan and Star Trek fan um, for about the same amount of time. Maybe Star Trek a little bit earlier than Rush, but as I built the website side, it's like, well, let me do a little Star Trek side of the website as well. And that's also grown rather significantly over the years as well. But I see Star Trek sending a message of hope. And I like to think in a lot of ways, I get a lot of hope from the music of Rush. So there are similarities from my perspective, but there are obviously differences as well. Yeah, I'm also a, a Star Trek fan. What's your favorite iteration? Oh boy, come on. That's like asking me what's my favorite book. <laughs> I'd have to say the original series followed closely by the next generation. Hmm, okay. I'll buy that. So a couple of weeks ago, guys, we had John, your friend Ed Stenger from the Rushes of yes. Band blog on, and we discussed our top three Rush opening songs. So what we decided to do today is go to the other end, name our top three Rush album ending songs. 
which guys, I don't know about you, but I felt like this was more difficult than the album openers. What did you guys think? I have to agree. It was challenging, but it's interesting when you first mentioned to me that we were going to look at the album closers. I always thought Rush had really solid closing songs on the majority of their album. So this one was a real struggle for me. And I think you're going to find my top three list rather interesting. I feel the same way. It, it was, I thought that the opening songs were, were hard. This was harder. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So John, why don't we start with you? We'll, we'll go, we'll go from three to one. What's your number three rush closing song. And this was a tough one, but I, I have to put in my, I mean, come on. My website is called Cygnus X one. My number <laughs> three is Cygnus X one book one. There you go. That makes sense. Any, any reason why? Just because uh, it's the name of your site and you, you felt like you, you owed it to, to the song? A little bit that I owed it to the song, but I've always really loved that song. I, I, I felt it was like the pinnacle of Rush in their science fiction days, if you will. I mean, 2112 is a fantastic song, but I, I listened to Sigmund Sex One, and it really tells a, a nice, tight story in a, a shorter amount of time, relatively speaking, to 2112. And it, it's just, it's always been one of my favorites. And my God, Getty on that song, it just is insane with his vocals. So love it. Well, I was going to ask you uh, earlier about the name of the site. Why did you name it? That's a great question. It wasn't necessarily I wanted it to be Cygnus X1, but when I decided I wanted to make a website and I wanted it to be Rush-based, I started looking for available .com or .net websites, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find any that really worked. And then suddenly I tried Cygnus dash x1.net it was available i said the hell with it i'm taking it because i remember spending a couple days researching what i should select and back then a lot of people were running rush websites so a lot of of these urls weren't available so settled on this and now for short we call it cx1 nice jr so you're number three. Oh boy my number three is the name of our podcast steve something for nothing oh nice you felt like you owed it to something for nothing to vote for it. I don't, I don't think I owe us anything, Steve. <laughs> I, uh, I just, it's just a, a rock and song on a rock and album, right? Oh and yeah. It, it definitely, it definitely talks about the ethos of the band, at least back in the seventies. So I think it's like a statement song. I can't argue with any of these choices. That's the beauty of rush songs, right? You can never argue it, but then again, you can argue it in a, a friendly manner. Yeah, I kind of think we should argue Steve's third pick. Here. I, th- I think you should argue. <laughs> definitely. I, I welcome it. So my criteria for this is a song that I feel like belongs at the end of a record. Hmm. So certain albums, I mean, for instance, I could have picked La Villa Strangiato because it's an amazing song. Absolutely. But I think that could have been at the end of the album. It could have been in the middle and it still would be great. It just doesn't strike me as an album ending song or it had to be, if that makes any sense. Man, I wish I, I wish you had told me that before I picked my songs. This is just the way I approached it. That's all. Hmm. I'm not saying your approach was the wrong approach. I'm just saying this is the approach I took. So my third choice is available light from Presto. Oh, interesting. I just love the piano in this song. I love Getty's voice. I love the grandeur of this song. It's just the perfect ending to what to me is an underrated album and an amazing song. So I choose available light discuss. Wow. 
Well, I mean, it's a great song, and and you know, I had I hadn't thought about. I put a lot of thought into op- the opening songs. You know, like what's a good introduction to the album? But I just thought of the ending songs as the songs you know that ended the album. I wasn't really thinking about the best way to end that particular album. John, is that what you thought? Uh, you know, it was a little blend of both, but uh, once Steve started commenting on that, I'm like, yeah, that's that's actually right. And when I look at my list, I kind of took it that way as well. It's a great way to actually end this album. And, you know, I, I struggled with La Villa as well because it's a fantastic song, but I kind of agree with you that it would have been a great opening track, a middle track, but is it a good closing track? Um, I don't know, but I mean, obviously it's a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. And with that, can I tell you what my number two is? Please. Of course. Available Light. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. See, we agree. Absolutely love that song. Completely. I don't want to say it's underrated, but let's say underplayed. And um, just an absolutely phenomenal song. I agree. I love the piano work on it. Uh, the lyrics are top notch. And Getty just absolutely is just blows me away with his vocals on that. They're kind of just subdued and really really well done I, it's a shame they never played that one live i would have loved to hear it live but it's still a great great tune i always say it would have been great on the clockwork angels tour with the string section yes would have would have been phenomenal and rush fans as jerry and i have discussed rush fans love available light that is a song that most rush fans adore and that's really good to hear yeah yeah so jerry you're number two my number two is natural science. Can't argue with that. Cannot argue with that. that that's right. fantastic. That might be one of their best studio songs and most, you know, impressively produced songs, I think out of their entire catalog and a great way to end that album. Yeah. I mean the, just, I mean, the song is great, obviously, but I love how the, it ends with waves mm. since it's called permanent waves and it's just, you know, I don't know, just kind of fades out on in kind of like on in the ocean gives you chills every time. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. So for number two, I chose vital signs for moving pictures. Excellent choice. Now, why'd you do that, Steve? Why did I do that? Yeah. I just think it's an underrated song for moving pictures. It's one of my probably favorite songs on that record. I love the drums. I love the keyboards. It's just great. And this is one of, I know I always rail on the fade outs, but I love the fact that this fades out and kind of continues on into infinity. It's just a great way to end a classic album. Could not agree more. Yeah. I'm not arguing that one. No. John, we're, we're up to our number one songs and I'm curious whether we're all going to pick the same one as number one. Yeah. This should be interesting. John, you go first. So before I reveal it, um, I think it's fair to say that when you ask people what their favorite song or album is, that changes over time and it might be just reflective of where that person is or maybe what's going on in the world. And to that end, given everything that's going on, this is a song that has always resonated with me, but more so recently than of late. So I am picking Everyday Glory. Oh, wow. As my one closing track. Wow. That, that's, that's out of left field for me. That's I told you guys be surprised. <laughs> the closing lyrics from Everyday Glory just, to me, are probably the strongest that Neil has ever written. So that, that song has just always been one of my favorites. Definitely an underrated song, but um, again, probably one that I think a lot of fans would agree is just a great, great tune. 
and a great message. Absolutely. I cannot argue with it. Jer, number one for you. Well, number one for me is the garden. Ah, that's ah. mine. That's my number one too. I know how, I mean, first of all, clockwork, clockwork angels, you know, I, I've said this before. There's isn't a band that's been together for 40 years and puts out one of their best albums at the end of their career. It, it's unheard of. And the, just the garden is a beautiful song sums up not only the album, the characters within the album, but sums up the end of a career. It is, is just about a perfect song. You said exactly everything I was going to say, you know, since Neil's passing, this has to be number one for me. It's just emotional for me just to listen to that song now. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect end to an album, perfect end to a career. And I just don't see how any other song could top it on this list for me, at least. Now you guys are making me second guess mine. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, great way to end the album, great way to end the career and great way to end their legacy that will certainly live on. I mean, you just, it's unfathomable that they, they were able to create a masterpiece in clockwork angels at the end of their career and couldn't be happier for them too, for putting that out. The Garden was actually one of the first songs they recorded for Clockwork Angel. So I always found that interesting reading an early story about the making of the album, that that was one of the first songs that they wrote and recorded, and yet, you know, just perfectly fit the uh, closing track. Well, it's also a great way to end our conversation with you, John. John Petuto of CygnusX1.net. Can you tell everyone again how they can get in touch with you on social media? So there is a Facebook group, facebook.com slash CygnusX1Net. You can find me there. You can find me on Twitter, also at CygnusX1Net. And all of those links are available directly at the website as well. And if you ever have a question, feel free to email me. John Petuto, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Guys, it was entirely my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation to join your great podcast. All right. Thanks. So Jared, John Petuto of CygnusX1.net. I mean, what a great conversation. Yeah, it was a great conversation. You know what I'm finding is that all of the people that we're talking to are connected somehow. They all know each other. The Rush community is just so connected and so great and so friendly with each other. It's just amazing. Yeah, it it is interesting because there's something about Rush, right, that attracts a certain personality and all these personalities, you know, get along. And you would think a great website like Power Windows and a great website like CygnusX1.net, they would be rivals, but they help each other. That's so Rush-like. It is very Rush-like, isn't it? It is, which is yeah. which is amazing to me, and I think it's fantastic. And I wasn't kidding about the website. I mean, it, it is fantastic. That Rush timeline is phenomenal. Yeah, it is phenomenal. I spent an hour the other day just looking through video clips that I'd never seen before. Yeah. It's very well done. Really great. Really great. And you should really check out the Star Trek one too, Steve. I have not seen one episode <laughs> of Star Trek in its entirety in my entire life, Joe. I kind of guessed that. I'll have to start watching Star Trek first. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't want to mention that while John was on with us. He would have been disappointed in me. <laughs> um, yeah, my daughter and I, my older daughter and I watched um, the original series and uh, next generation back to back. Oh, over really? The course of like two months. Yeah. It was great. And the second viewing for you, was it better than the first? Um, yeah. I mean, I hadn't 
never seen them, you know, back to back. Obviously, when I was watching the original series, it was just whatever episode happened to be on. Right, right. So seeing them in their original order was cool. Well, the good thing is, at any point in my life now, Jerry, I can start watching Star Trek for the first time. How cool is that? I'm I'm envious. Are you, though? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing I've found with, with going back and watching shows from the 70s is that they just seem so dated now. Well... I have to correct you. Uh, the original series was in the 60s. Okay, the 60s. <laughs> I told you I'm not a Star Trek guy. <laughs> they are dated. They are They are a little dated, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a Star Trek guy, but I am a Rush guy. That's right. You can find us at Rush Fancast, Instagram, The Rushcast, email Jerry, TheRushcast at gmail.com. And Jer, do you have a quote for me to end this fine podcast? I actually do have a quote, and it's funny because it's from Everyday Glory. Really? Yes, it is. Was that coincidence, or did you just pull that up because John mentioned it? No, I had it ready. I had it at the ready this time, Steve. Wow, it's look crazy. Look at that. What a, what a crazy coincidence. It is. So it's, if the future's looking dark, we're the ones who have to shine. If there's no one in control, we're the ones who draw the line. Though we live in trying times, we're the ones who have to try. Though we know that time has wings, we're the ones who have to fly. That is brilliant. Sure is. Take it easy. Bye.